Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest edition of the Game is About Glory's Summer Pods. Tonight, we will put our adult-sized pants on and discuss the current situation at Tottenham Hotspur 2021, namely Clusterfuck Apocalypse, which makes me think supercalifragilistic Clusterfuck Apocalypse, or, as Gareth suggested in a moment which made me spit my coffee out earlier, a scattergun case of fuckwittery. Two great titles. Thanks, Milo. <laughs> Thanks, Gareth. <laughs> yes, everybody, tonight we will wade into the fruitless, yet noisy and frankly comical search for a manager. You will hear incredulation, exasperation, even a bit of speculation, but we will stay the right side of what we actually know versus what we think might be. And please, very important to note, and you should remember that the game is about glory does not go for putting the boot in cheaply. We also don't believe in cheap shots or wild rantings. That being said, <laughs> let's not be foolish. It would be insulting to all of us as supporters to deny that our feet and footwear have been twitching a lot these past few weeks, and that there have not been some very harsh words spoken off mic. Titles of this pod surely illustrates that fact, and you might even see the odd twitchy foot going here and there this evening, but we're going to do our best to maintain control. Uh, with me this evening, trying to make sense of <laughs> Clusterfuck Apocalypse... Oh, Gareth, Ram, and Milo. Hello, guys. <laughs> yeah, Milo, uh, of course. Uh, first of all, a quick word about that title, which came to you. Where did you think of that title? I was getting my hair cut on Friday, and um, you and I have been plan planning a completely different pod for this week, and the Clusterfuck Apocalypse. It just the title came first and then and then I thought of Spurs very good <laughs> and, um, and and realized really that we'd be neglecting our duties if we didn't have a chat about what a real fuck up we've made of trying to find a new manager yes indeed and and Gareth I have to I have to now ask you uh just you know if there is any uh, nice little story behind the absolutely glorious a scattergun case a fuck wittery. It just sounds so literary. It's such a literary title, but it's so brilliant. It's a bit Arthur Cullen Doyle, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to be Sherlock Holmes tonight. Yeah, go on, Gareth. Is there any, is there any story behind that? Or? I really like the phrase scattergun approach. Um, it was something that was labelled at me by my GCSE history teacher when I used to write essays and just used to write everything that I knew with no coherent structure behind it. Um, and that seems very much the approach that we're taking with the with the search for a new manager, which we'll come on to. It does indeed. And of course, all roads, uh, whether they be historical or life, generally do end up going through Rome, don't they? As is the case currently with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. But before we get into things, let's look at the story so far as we've managed to put it together in our notes. Jose Mourinho is sacked on April 19th. A reasonable assumption is that our preferred candidate was Julian Nagelsmann, but Bayern Munich got there first. There was a lot of speculations linking us to different managers, but no firm evidence has ever really come forth. Uh, after the season finished, there were some very surprising links to Mauricio Pochettino. This is meant to have broken down because PSG refused to release him. We were then linked with Conti, uh, and that appeared to be close, either before or after Poch, who quite knows, but for our purposes, we'll say it came really strong after the Poch situation. Paratici was appointed as general manager uh, football, so effectively we'll refer to him as director of football on this pod. Uh, on June 12th, Paratici was in negotiations with Paolo Fonseca. Negotiations appeared to be in an advanced stage to the point where Mrs. Fonseca was talking about it on her social media, but broke down on Thursday, July the 17th. Stories then broke that we were going to appoint Gattuso after he'd walked out on Fiorentina after disagreements over signing players represented by his agent, yes, George Mendes. 
There was an instant fan uproar at appointing someone who had made discriminatory comments in the past, with the hashtag Say No to Catuso being proudly circulated and quite vitally circulated, I'd say, by many, many parties and many, many fan groups, including ourselves. By Friday morning, journalist David Ornstein was reporting that we had broken off talks with Gattuso. Some reports have suggested that this is as a result of the fans. Others have suggested that already Levy and Paratici are engaged in a difference of opinions in the direction of our side. And if you went to PE after history, but before English, you put your coat on the lower peg. <laughs> the Arthur Conan Doyle thing, I think maybe um, Gareth's on to something. Because you know, he famously said, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how, how improbable, must be the truth. <laughs> Fucking hell. And, and, uh, <laughs> you certainly and, get... And that's, you, that, that, that's what you've just said. You certainly get... <laughs> listen, anyone listening to us who thinks you're going to get the same bog-standard whinging and moaning, you've got to give it to us. We do manage to elevate things to a new level of, of analytical complaint and observation. That is that is wonderful stuff. Um, but, you know, let's kick this up. So, so don't, don't ask Deer Stalkers. We'll try and find out what the real what's really going on. Yeah, yeah we have. So Deer Stalkers on Pipe. Pipe in, pipes in mouth. Um, let's kick this off with... A... This is definitely a two-pipe problem. <laughs> I thought you were going to say this is a two-part pod, but... I... Uh, Sorry, I, I like a bit of Holmes, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going oh, right. to completely derail the whole episode now. So, okay, dear stalker arm... Pipe in mouth. Let's just get uh, let's just get cracking with a couple of simple questions. And and Ram, the very very simple question, which you should be able to answer in one sentence: Is there a strategy? You'd like to think I could answer that in one <laughs> sentence, couldn't you? <laughs> but, What's the meaning of but life? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to answer it in one sentence. Okay, uh, th- this is how I see it, and I've actually not. Uh, the only way I've kept abreast of our the managerial situation and what's going on at the club in recent weeks has actually been through you guys. I've not really been reading press i've not been reading updates i've not been going on forums so i'm i'm getting a lot of my information from what you guys were talking about in our chat and this is what i deduce so from from all that i dear think watson. at the start yeah dear watson. <laughs> <laughs> um i think at the start when after Mourinho was gone and the season ended i think that that the club and levy were sincere when they when they made that statement about wanting to go back to the, the ethos of the club and to play attacking football in line with how we see tottenham hotspur and how we've played in the past i do believe that that was the case i believe they had a strategy to do that i believe they had a shortlist i believe when poch maybe perhaps was on the table i i believe that Levy maybe thought that was a done deal. We were going back to what we knew. It was going to be a new era. The fans would be happy. The fans would be off their back. And I think after that, after Poch fell through, for whatever reason, which I'm sure we'll discuss, I believe then that the club then became it became a scattergun approach. And I think as the weeks have rolled on, this strategy that we had, which ended at Poch, um, has become looser and looser and looser. And it the the only way I can describe it is like, you know, with the the end at the end of season it's like, you know, Mourinho's gone and the club is rising like a phoenix through the ashes to the, the background of like a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. And as the weeks have progressed it slowly morphed into the Benny Hill soundtrack. And that's the only way I can that's the only way I can describe it. I mean, Steph, I think on the strategy thing, I mean it would be one of my major criticisms of Levy 
throughout his tenure. And, uh, you know, we've discussed before about how he flips flops between each managerial appointment appears to be a reaction to the last one, rather than saying, this is how Spurs play football. We'll sign players that fit that system and we'll, appro- we'll appoint managers or coaches to play within that. You know, there doesn't really appear to be any kind of hard principles around it you know sometimes we have a director of football sometimes we don't if the manager the manager we've appointed doesn't like one you know sometimes we'll have someone who's a bit more pragmatic sometimes we'll have someone's a bit more attacking Uh, you know everything just appears to be very very reactive and i think that's true here you know you look at the the managers that we're talking about here you know conte has got nothing in common with pochettino in terms of football philosophy you know gattuso and um fonseca have got very little in common i don't think there are any guiding principles on this it's it's a mess i i think we're in a point in history where we've found a real or we've hit a real identity crisis so for the last 15 years Mm. from you know sort of 2004 up to about 2019 levy had overseen a structure which yeah it did flip-flop between different managers different on-field decisions but ultimately we became that great challenger team we were the little train that could and we pulled away from the mid-table mediocrity that we had been in and now with the shiny new stadium and the global brand that comes with it there's very very different expectations and there's very different demands from new fan base from new partners from new sponsors alike and I think we're really caught between the rock and a hard place at the moment that we're we're out of our comfort zone mm. that we've done so well in and we've now found ourselves as this junior partner in this you know big six cartel if you like as well and we're, we're, we're trying to play with the big boys but we're well out of our comfort zone I think this mm. this last couple of years it's really shown up um, that perhaps Daniel Levy is is, is stuck so I've got to ask you Gareth I mean I'm fascinated in your and well, I'm fascinated everyone's view on this but particularly yours uh, do you think that when he sacked Mourinho he had a very firm, uh, maybe, back, and we're speculating, backward commitment that Nagelsmann was up for the job and would come in. Do you think that's what happened? Or do you think that somehow, you know, the winds of football change moved very quickly there and that we got usurped? I mean, what's your take on that? I think there's no doubt that Nagelsmann over the last what, 12 to 18 months has established himself as the best available upcoming candidate mm-hmm. in, in Europe that played a style of football that was synonymous with what we'd seen under Pochettino. So I think there's no doubt that Nagelsmann would have been top of the list. I think it was always likely that Bayern were going to change their manager this summer, I think mm-hmm. particularly when they got knocked out of the Champions League this year and it was therefore inevitable that he was always going to choose Bayern Munich over 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 us so I, from what I can see from, from from what the outside I don't think the sacking of Mourinho when he was sacked was anything to do with Nagelsmann I, I think maybe that would have had to have happened a couple of months earlier if that was really the case and in the same way that I think Pochettino left at a point where Mourinho was available I think those two um, th- those two things dovetailed I think I think before I go to you Milo with the next question I do want to throw this final one to the group I think it's a very important thing that we should try and address here and again it's conjecture you know why did Daniel Levy sack Jose Mourinho when he did was it a clash of personalities was Jose Mourinho did Jose Mourinho do something that you know Levy just didn't agree with I mean we've heard the rumors we've heard the rumors about like wanting to rest players and so on I think it's a very relevant question to try and answer because I think it is the beginning of a cycle of, 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 of you know consequential chaos any thoughts, anyone? I think there was, I mean, there was the rumour around that if Mourinho had won the cup, it would have been a, uh, a substantial bonus to him. So maybe that, you know, obviously the, the, the maybe perhaps lazy 
rumour would be that, oh, Levy doesn't want to you know, put his hand in his pocket or anything like that. What I feel it might have been is, I, w- I wonder if the club thought that getting rid of Mourinho just before the cup final might have actually given the, the, the team and the, pl- uh, the, the okay. players and, and Ryan Mason this bounce, you know, to go in and be like, right, well, we, we need to win this cup. We need to do it. Uh, we're, we're in a situation where we've got nothing to lose. And uh, we can go into this, and we can we can you know we can have uh, bring something really positive out of what has been a very negative season. I think it had just come to a head with the squad. I think he'd fallen out with too many of the the first team squad, and it had reached um, uh, it reached a point where it needed dealing with. I suspect that 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 probably came after. Um, we were knocked out of the Europa League and they'd given it a few weeks to try and see whether he could turn it around. It hadn't happened. And I, th- I think that's the re- reason. Okay. And and now, Milo, I'm going to come to you with, you know, the whole Paratici appointment. I mean, why do you think we left it so late to bring in a director of football? Uh, and, and, and further, you know, how do we speculate that Hitchin is fitting into this? Again, bearing in mind that none of us have facts. This is all, you know, discussion. So in terms of how they work together, I think it's been clarified. Hitchin is reporting to Paratici. Willingly? Um, well, evidently they're old mates, aren't they? But but there's also reports that Hitchin wasn't aware that we were uh, looking to bring uh, Paratici in. I, mean, I don't know how true that is. So why do we leave it so late? I mean, the, the rumours are is that he was brought in after Pochettino fell through because Pochettino didn't want to work within that kind of structure and that's when we moved I, you know I've said before on this pod um, you know if we were looking I think last time we discussed uh, the manager situation I said I didn't think we'd bring in a director of football because if we were going to do it the sensible time to do that would have been in the spring and get them to um, run the recruitment exercise you know I, I, I was wrong about us bringing in a director of football but I was right about the timing doing it halfway through is crazy and you know if it's true that uh, Steve Hitchin had a shortlist and that's been ripped up and we're starting again that's that's doubly crazy I'm, you know, I'm puzzled as to you know Paratici wasn't available till a little later, but earlier, you know, earlier in the um, uh, earlier in the spring summer, Campos was leaving uh, Lille, and um, Rangnick's been available for a while, and they're two of the best in the business. So we could have brought in uh, a director of football earlier, and um, you know, particularly with uh, Nagelsmann, and you know, there's a number of other good German coaches who've uh, switched clubs this summer. Um, if we brought in Rangnick and you know, brought him in as director of football, then I'm sure we would have improved our chances of bringing one of those in because you know he's the father of modern German football. Uh, these people would have wanted to work for him. So it all seems a bit bit odd timing wise. I was just looking up when we appointed Frank Arneson, who you know, probably was our best ever appointment as the sporting director. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just that was confirmed on the 19th of May in 2004, and he officially took on his post on the 1st of July, which of course is the same date mm-hmm. that um, Paratici will be taking over. Then Damien Camoli, who um, succeeded him, he didn't actually start till the 12th of September, which you think was after the transfer window had closed there. So, I mean, actually, the timing of Paratici is kind of parallel to Arneson coming in. And I suppose it links into when his contract at Juventus ran out as well. Uh, with Camoli, I would say actually September's the ideal time because then they've got a full season to plan for the following summer. So I think if we were looking to, to, to bring in this kind of structure, bringing it in a lot earlier uh, would have made sense. Let's throw in this question here then. I mean, first of all, you know, I, I look, the word on Paratici and, and let's and let me be honest, I, I really didn't know much more than anyone knows about Paratici. I mean, we've all, you know, read about his work at Juventus and so on and so forth. But I don't think any of us really truly know how good or bad he is. There have been uh, there's been things said that he is 
perhaps not the guy who made things tick at Juve. At Juve. And, I, you know, my first flag there is, are we stepping into a Ramos versus uh, Monchi uh, situation that we had? Uh, I, I, I just, I, I, why, why has Levy gone for Paratici first? Of, I mean, I can't, that's, can, can anyone answer? Because I, I don't know. Yeah, because they've had dealings before. Levy said in his video the other week that um, he was impressed with Paratici when they were negotiating. You know, I think it comes from that. Uh, evidently, Hitchin and him are, are, are friends and have known each other for a while. So, you know, there are links there. I think in terms of, I mean, we've just... We've discussed this before. I think it's very difficult to judge directors of football because, I mean, particularly, you know, with the situation at Juve and uh, Paratici's only been, you know, in the top job there for for a year. You know, before that, you know, he's been a number two both at Juve and before that at Sampdoria. So, it's, it's, you know, it's very, very difficult to know who are his signings or who are someone else's. And you can spin it whichever way you want based on, you know, pre- preconceived notions. And that's what we see a lot on online and in print. So I, I think it's very difficult to tell. But what's also true is that San, uh, that um, Juve have a you know, very, very different club to Spurs. And he can't operate at Spurs in the same way as he did at Juve. How many players have we dealt with Paratici on? I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I can't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ignorant of it. Well, Dybala was the negotiation we definitely had, wasn't it, with Juventus? I don't know what his role in that was. I just want to make a, uh, bring up a point that Milo made about what Levy said about Paratici in that video. And I think this is, again, pure speculation on my part, uh, as as anything is um, with the situation. But um, but I do wonder if Paratici, the way he talked about him, he's obviously very impressed with how he how he, he is in his dealings. He's very impressed with how he is as a person um, and uh, how forthright he is. And I do wonder if Levy, him thinking to myself, well, I'm going to perhaps give up some of the reins here to a director of football. Why don't I get someone in who I think is exactly like me? And will probably be and behave in a manner very much like me. So it's really not like giving. What an excellent point and what a frightening point at the same time. (laughs) I I do think that, I mean, I think we've seen this with managers a bit. I do wonder whether he's got a bit of a thing for kind of the alpha male bullshit. (laughs) You know, it's, I mean, obviously, Mourinho is very much of that type and uh, and Conte as well. And I I do just wonder whether he likes that and then some of the maybe milder candidates you know so someone like ten Hag or or potter who seem ideal for the job to me but appear to be being overlooked in favor of uh you know people with a bit more machismo um it's like an episode of the twilight zone it just feels a bit outdated to me yeah and you know when we talk about you know, talk go back to the strategy thing with strategy what i want a strategy to do be is to be a modern club yeah. playing you know modern brand of football in our modern stadium with our modern yeah that's right ground. yeah yeah absolutely it's you know it's an easy fit you know and then we're linked with a dinosaur like gattuso we should get to that in a second for sure and we will there's no doubt that that's going to be got to gareth i'm going to aim this next uh uh question at you and i'm going to start with a quote from daniel levy the final uh, you know this is the chairman part of the chairman's message on the final home game of the season was as follows and i quote we shall focus on the recruitment of a new head coach Brilliant. Well done, Daniel. I added that bit. (laughs) We are acutely aware of the need to select someone whose values reflect those of our great club, capital C, and return to playing football with the style for which we are known, free-flowing, attacking and entertaining, whilst continuing to embrace our desire to see young players flourish from our academy alongside experienced talent. End quote. Wonderful quote. Gareth, can you help me dig out some consistency from uh, from what he said there versus these uh, subsequent actions? Not really, no. Um, 
I mean, you know, I laugh, but you know, unless it was all bullshit, just to try and drive up season ticket renewals <laughs> and um, and partnerships and, and sponsorship deals, and to make all the right noises, um, and to try and pull the wall over our eyes again. I mean, he, we talking about him as a character. He's a very risk averse character. He likes a lot of control. He mm. likes a lot of structure. There's no way that he was thinking at that point. Oh well, we'll see what happens, and then we'll you know we'll make an appointment when the right person turns up. He he would have had a plan in place, or would have thought he had a plan in place. I mean, what we've actually seen for me, it's it's been a game of pragmatism. Um, it's just been it has been a gamble that a suitable candidate will turn up or will be identified. And for me, what we've seen since then, and through personal experiences of having just bought a house and the and, and the process that this follows is when you go on right move or where you where you go on your search engine in the first place you have your set criteria that you want to get and you look at the houses that are on there and you think well that looks all right but it hasn't got enough bedrooms or that one's all right but it's a few it's a, it's a postcode away from where I want to be uh, and then you dismiss it and then you look through and you realize you know actually there wasn't any that I liked there so then you go back and the one that you looked at first of all that you weren't that keen on because it was fundamentally flawed you then go back to it because you think well nothing else has turned up um, and, and, that, and that feels like we are at the moment so we want a manager who's going to play attacking football but we also want someone who's got experience and can work within a director of football structure and won't ask for a lot of money but they don't provide this first thing that we said that we really wanted so let's forget this now and let's go back and knock that off as a compromise mm. and it, it just feels like that's where, we, where we've gone ever since what do you think he asked for originally though do you think he asked for four bedrooms and three bathrooms and then like <laughs> I, I mean where are we like what well, did he yeah. ask for originally I mean it, it suggests what, to me his opening statement suggests he wanted five bedrooms three and a half bathrooms and a huge backyard and a huge backyard he, he, he wanted his cake and he wants to eat it didn't he? he he wants the best available product with the best proven track record for the lowest price available yeah, and so it was a Mayfair property at a Romford price. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to end up with a semi-detached in Romford that's possibly the, the second bathroom is an outside one. <laughs> I think when you read a, st- a statement like that, there's a lot of stuff in here that is just puff for the audience. If you read the opposite of what is said... And if it sounds viable, then maybe there's some truth in it. So if we take that statement, we shan't focus on the recruitment of a new head coach. We're acutely aware of the need to select someone whose values reflect, don't reflect those of our great club <laughs> and return to playing football with, with the style we're known. Defensive, boring <laughs> and, and conservative, whilst continue, continuing to embrace our desire to not see young players flourish from our academy. <laughs> you know, not alongside existing talent. You know, if you read the inverse of it, it's ludicrous. He can't write that. Yeah. So what he's, you know, the statement itself doesn't really mean anything. No. So no one appoints a manager. No one appoints a manager and say, says they play defensive and boring football. Everyone talks them yeah. up. It, it's 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 it's, it's puff. I think it's almost like he wants. Uh, uh, he he's he's telling us what we want to hear, which is essentially this yeah. is my take on it. Is that all right? You basically want another potch. You know, which is essentially what all of us would like. You know, I'd like to think all of us would like, but the, but I think this is the problem though. Where where, where uh, and I don't want to go off onto another potch tangent, but where um, he took us to as a club was that we got to a position where even when we fired him, we bought in, and you know, regardless of what happened at the time, we bought in a tier one manager, a top tier mm-hmm. elite manager, and now. For us to then go back, like, you know, when Poch- when we signed Pochettino, I wasn't disappointed. I was like, okay, this is interesting because that's where we were as a club. Whereas now when people mm-hmm. were mentioning um, someone like Potter, we were all a bit like, meh. You know what? What else you got? What else you got on the top on the top shelf? 
you, you know, because that's where we where we where. Well, maybe that's a bad. <laughs> no, but, no, no, but, but to clarify, what's point, independent? No, but I yeah, but your point is, but your point is so so valid because you can imagine uh, the chairman hearing from sponsors mm. like you know, oh, well, you know, that's not really quite what we signed up for. And I mean, you know, you can. I, I think you have a great point, and I think it also dovetails us perfectly into uh, that the, probably the most aggravating area of all of this for me personally so allow mm. me to just spin for a minute and i will form a, a question for everyone you know this search became very public at a certain time mm-hmm. there were leaks left and right and center coming from all sorts of places uh we can you know we, we, and i'm sure we will we will discuss the fact that paratici is still in italy and in italy perhaps directors of football deal differently with rumors and they use the press consistently to throw out all these distractions i don't know I don't follow the Italian press that much, but that's possible. But the upshot of it is, whatever the strategy has been in the last few weeks or month, I think it has been an absolute disaster because it has turned mm. us into a into a flip-floppy joke that doesn't look like we know what we're doing. And I include Daniel's message uh, of two weeks ago in this. At the time when he sat and gave what was a fairly robust and defensive uh, series of statements you know, on video, I backed him to do it. It's like, okay, fair enough. You're getting hammered. Good for you. Fair enough. But subsequently, the, you know, the next two actions with Fonseca and, and, and Gattuso, awful. Now, if you want to, like, if you want to get these things, you know, squirrely and wrong or whatever, that's fine. But why is it happening in public? Why do we think that it, why do we think these leaks are coming so heavily? Who wants to pick this up? Actually, Ram, I see that I have got your name as the first person to lead on this. So please, why do you think this has become public? Because we can keep things quiet. We've seen yeah, it in the past. we've shown in the past that we can keep things quiet. I think this time round, I think there was maybe a concerted effort by the club to make things public to an extent, because Levy has said, and he's known to be private, but I feel like we did put things out in the public because we wanted to again it's down to appeasing the fans and saying look at what we're doing we're doing all this work and I, I bring it again back to like someone like thinking we might get an Eaglesman uh, and if not then a Ten Hag and then if not then a Poch because it was like look we have got these names lined up we are speaking to these players mm-hmm. look at what we're doing we're, we're listening to you and then what's happened is the, the leaks have started coming and then all of a sudden things are, things are going out of control things aren't happening as the club thought they would and they're like well we need to pull this back now and but it's, it's, it's become a juggernaut of a juggernaut of clusterfuckery so uh so we can't um and, and we can't pull back from it and I, I think that's what's happened and once you put something out in the public in the way we've got we've gone on you can't pull it back anymore where it's now out in the public domain a juggernaut of clusterfuckery who wants to take that on <laughs> uh, the gauntlet has been thrown again <laughs> my god guys this is epic I, I was just thinking about the way you were talking about Paratici then his relationship with the Italian press and I've got visions of him turning up at the training ground in a, in a, in a Range Rover and winding down the window <laughs> and having a chat with the guys as he's coming in and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Red Napio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, right the way back to to the spring, the Italian press have been uh, printing a load of shit about uh, this search. So, uh, you know, I mean, pretty much every Italian manager out there and, you know, whether they're in work or not has been linked with the post by the Italian press. And, you know, there are certain journos who... Yeah, re- repeat a lot of this on Twitter and it gets picked up and, you know, some of them people 
uh, you know, mysteriously hold in you know, more regard than maybe their um, their records uh, merits. So the, the Italian press, I, I don't really hold a lot of um, faith in a lot of the links coming out of there. Um, it gets it gets fed into Twitter, it gets picked up by the British press, or um, you know re- retweeted loads. And uh, you know before you know it, you know people start drawing up a list that's a hundred long of managers you meant to have been uh, chasing and have turned you down. When you know re- reality is that's probably not the case. I mean, you know it's too long, but maybe not as long as you know some people think. So it's it's, it's a real worry if Paratici is feeding stories to the Italian press because um, they've made they've made this a lot harder for us so far. And I should add again, this is total speculation. I mean, I'm just. I'm just pondering that that's a possibility. I, I, I could be completely wrong. And, you know, as we said at the top of this, you know, we don't know. We're trying to find reasons behind the sorts of actions that, quite frankly, are yeah. really counter to the way we've behaved in the past. I mean, we've managed to we've managed to stab plenty of people in the back <laughs> in our his recent history without it leaking to the press in the sloppy way yeah. it has. It's the truth. I mean, that's not being rude. It's the truth. I'm, you know, Martin Yol, right? I mean, we'll tell you, turn around and tell you that, and Maurizio will tell you that. And the truth, the truth is, is that. You know, all parties to this have got an interest in leaking this stuff out because you know they're fishing to see whether there's a better deal out there, a better offer on the table, or you know whether someone else, you know, but there might be a better job. And I'm sure that's what happened with Catuso. I think you know when he walked out on Fiorentina, you know, maybe we'd been talking to the, him before that, or you know, maybe we just picked up the phone that morning after he walked out on the job. But you know, he's definitely got an interest in in, in leaking that to the press to or his agent, you know, who obviously never does anything through the papers and seeing whether there's a bigger job out there or you know you know someone else is interested. And I think then it runs into a story i i find it hard to believe that we had to deal you know he was definitely about to walk in when he'd only walked out of his previous job you know half a day earlier i think yeah and i, th- I think let if we run with uh just for a second with that uh the, the speculation that you know that the uh in the italian press did uh directors of football do it differently over there and they share and they leak stuff to the press and i feel like over you know it, in that way it, it could be it could have been a, it's a lot of posturing and so therefore mm. paratici is going you know gattuso comes available he knows him he's made perhaps spoken to him and he goes you know what Gatt- uh gattuso italian legend um, you know, fantastic uh, Italian player uh, who's now a manager, who's a big name in football. If I just feed that to the press, and then you know, and then and again, it's posturing. But what's come mm. back is what he didn't expect is that over here you've got a bunch yeah. of us lot going, no, 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 yeah. that's not happening, not on yeah. our watch. No to Gattuso, let's get that fucking trending. <laughs> and and all yeah. of a sudden it's like, and then Levy's gone. Well, you know, we can't. That that's a definite no go, even if it was just a conversation. Something you said earlier on, Steph. I do wonder whether that would have happened if Paratici was here and could feel the temperature a bit more and, and could you know would have a better um you know grasp of uh, of how that would have been received it's oh, a very good point we hear all this um we hear this word the club are in talks with or a coach is in talks with and the word talks is such a nebulous and ambiguous term here that talks could be anything talks could be um daniel levy and coach a sat across the table from each other saying who are you going to sign at left back and how many defensive midfielders do you want and what squad numbers do you want davidson sanchez to wear next season to um the coach's agent bringing up daniel levy's secretary and saying oh, i'd like to talk about this job and the secretary saying yeah leave him a message and we'll give you a call back later that could be equally that could be talk so who knows what talks is i'm often sky sports news are very good at using this phrase advanced talks which i guess is okay yeah okay but i can i can actually counter that 
with what I consider to be probably a fairly solid fact in the non-facts that we're dealing with, which is that Jürgen Klinsmann has now put his head above the parapet three times <laughs> and said that yeah. he wants the job and has actually said pretty much what you said, that he called, you know, brr, brr, you know, hello, hello, uh, could you tell Daniel I'd like the Spurs job? Yeah, 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 I'll, I'm afraid he's not available. I'll leave a message and he'll get back to you. Uh, okay, thanks, Jürgen, you know, but and he never got a call back. Uh, and we've not leaked anything about talking to him. Or we've not said anything mm, about yeah. it. So that's definitely one way. So I have to feel that each of these situations, it's been a two-way parlay, if that's a phrase. I think it is. I don't know. Um, yeah. A, two, a two-way dance, if you will. But that being said, I agree that these phrases are very nebulous. And that, I mean, I, mm. I'm not not totally arguing with your point. I'm just saying that as nebulous as they are, I think there are some firm threads in there. But I will ask you this, Gareth. Do you think that Daniel Levy is having growing pains already with his relationship with Paratici. Do you think that they are suffering from not being, uh, you know, side by side, day by day in these early, very important moments of running a football club and planning our future? And uh, do you think that he's been somewhat taken aback and surprised by some of Paratici's um, uh, decisions? That is, if we are to believe that Paratici was the person who wanted Gattuso. Mm. I, I, you know, I, I find it hard to work out exactly how well they actually understand each other when if they've not sat in a room together and all these meetings have taken place over Zoom. And it's a pretty major appointment getting a director of football in. I mean, he's in, in what, 20 years, he's only the fourth person that's been given that role. What we know about Daniel Levy or what we hear about him is that he's a real control freak and this won't be something that he'll be comfortable with. I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier about that identity crisis of the club being this challenger club um, where Daniel Levy probably could micromanage what would have been an organisation with about 250 staff to now being this huge behemoth of an organisation with nearly a thousand people probably working under. So ceding that control over the perhaps the most glamorous sides of the role isn't going to be one that's comfortable for him. But look, we've been saying for since this pod started in what January time, we've been saying mm. we need a director of football. We need a director of football. Um, mm. So you know you, you can't have it both ways. If if, if Paratici's come in and he thinks the best thing for Tottenham Hotspur with whatever knowledge he's got of the club or where mm. we are at the moment and the playing squad, if he thinks the best things for the club is that Gattuso is the coach, um, then to some extent we've got to say if that's what you think, we've been saying you need a director of football. If that's if that's who he thinks to an extent, I think we've got to, we've got to accept that that may well happen. If it was purely footballing grounds, I'd agree with you. But I think in terms of you know, what Gattuso has said in the past and hasn't distanced himself from yeah. makes it makes him completely ineligible for the post. How could you have Gattuso there and the players take the knee next season? How could you have Gattuso there and the club do something for Pride mm. Month? How could you have Gattuso there and we do something around the, you know, the women's yeah, football yeah. team or you right. know, stuff between the two? It's completely incompatible with where we are. If there were talks between us and him, you, anyone, anyone could have found that out with five minutes on Google even if they weren't aware before. And I fail to believe that Paratici wasn't aware of that kind of stuff. So therefore, it suggests to me that he hasn't quite got the temperature yet. And that's a, that's a concern. Yeah. So, I mean, equally, that's perfectly understandable. And effectively, he's not he's not actually started the job yet. And he's I, I doubt he's ever set foot in N17, or he's certainly not been looking around for rooms to, to know the, you know the room temperature. No, no, no. But it's not, you know, in terms of, you'd have to be in N17 to realise that you know, what was being said there 
But yeah, what Gattuso says in the past is not acceptable in this country. I'm sorry, I'm diving in. I'm not being polite anymore. I mean, first of all, Gareth, I think you've got a really good point, and and I think you're right. We all wanted a director of football, and to an extent, it is on all of us to back him, and that includes Daniel Levy. Don't hire a guy if you're not going to give him the tools to succeed. And sadly, this is what Daniel has done Time and time and time a fucking again with the football side of this club. He gets people in who might work or could work and he absolutely restricts them from doing the job to their fullest potential. I think right now, as much as I want to point the finger at Paratici for Gattuso, I look at Daniel. Why are you hiring a guy like Paratici to be your director of football if he thinks guys like Gattuso are the way forward for Tottenham Hospital Football Club? Well, how does that run with your message? It doesn't make sense. I wonder if we should have done more work, as Milo said at the beginning, in looking at a director of football that might have suited our general club philosophy. As for this business of not knowing the temperature before he's in N17, I'm sorry. In that case, don't do the job until you're ready to do it. Do your homework and figure out that your mate, your homophobic, sexist, racist mate, also had his his hand on the throat of our assistant manager. And as far as I'm concerned, he is not welcome for that reason alone. Anyway, so, sorry, Ugh, emotions ran over, but and I tried hard. My, but it has to be. I, I felt it had to be said. That sorry, guys. There we go. Anyone want to add to that, or should we move on? <laughs> I just want to say something quickly, uh, just about our fans. Actually, when um, the rumours about Catuso was coming out, I actually really proud of uh, so mm. many of my fellow Spurs fans for the way that they spoke out against and the reasons why. Um, you know, for non-footballing reasons, they didn't want him at the club, and it was mentioned. You know, the things that he'd said in the past with. Uh, over a host of subjects and and I thought that I thought you know the the backlash and and, and the this purported cancelling of of Gattuso mm. to Spurs was uh, it was something I was actually very proud of it's the first time Levy's uh, united the fan base in a long time <laughs> isn't it yeah and, and and I do just want to be clear I get, I completely agree with the point that the central point that Gareth made is we mm. all wanted a director of football. Yeah. We have to give him the room to work. The question becomes, did we pick the right one? Would, and I, I think that's impossible to judge at the moment because we don't know enough about his track record and it's impossible that's to say who's his signings or, you know, who's mm. done all who's done what. So Gattuso's not a good start. But we don't know how much truth there was in that. Yeah. I entirely agree in terms of backing him. And, you know, the distinction I'm making there is saying that there's other stuff around Gattuso that makes him completely inappropriate for the, for the post. I didn't have an issue with Fonseca. Initially, it felt like quite an underwhelming choice. As I read read more about him and you know saw more about him, I was warming to the idea more, and I was actually a little disappointed when we broke it off because I, I you know because you'd done tons um, of homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the main thing with this. I have wasted hours and hours and hours researching managers that we're not going to take a you know we're not going to I have, so, so so this is where Milo you if you kind of float the, the cloud of ignorance like I do in these situations until it's confirmed it can sometimes work to your advantage not always but I would like to just announce that I remain completely ignorant of Fonseca and uh, I was relying <laughs> on your knowledge so <laughs> but I'm a geek and I find it interesting <laughs> it is interesting <laughs> uh, 
you know, people I don't know a lot about. I, I you know, I enjoy research. I enjoy yeah, reading great. about things. I enjoy fair play. That's that's solid. That's good work. You've raised some interesting points there, Milo. And I think, I mean, I've seen it with a couple of my mates on some of the WhatsApp groups that I'm on. That when the Fonseca stories were first leaked, that he was coming to us, it, it was such a feeling of of underwhelming mehness, yeah. really. And then by the time it broke off, people were genuinely disappointed that it hadn't <laughs> happened. So I think there's a real um, there's a real reactionary nature, and perhaps it's because we're so starved of any real Spurs content of anything going on at the moment. The people are living by this, and um, it's obviously mm. been really being whipped up in the you know in the press and on social media as well. And I think you know, this is what we do as a pod: we, we take a step back from it all, don't we? And we, we try and take a um, a wider, more holistic view of what's going on. Um, but yeah, you can't have been underwhelmed by Fonseca and then really disappointed when he then didn't get the get the role afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So true. <laughs> but most of the reaction on that was based at looking at you know a handful of league finishes and nothing else, wasn't yeah. it? And actually, when you, you know when you look at the reasons behind that, and you know you know, you know that it's never as simple as that. And the, kind of the broader picture, if you look at his overall career, he's done you know really well at some clubs, less well at others, and the, the, it's, it's a more complex picture than it, it initially looked. And I think a lot of the reaction was like, well, he didn't he didn't win anything with Roma, you know, he finished seventh with Roma or what have you, and that so he must be shit, you know. That's it, it was based on what he did at Roma and what he did at Porto without anyone knowing actually anything that happened there. As we sit today, would you rather have held on to Jose Mourinho until we had our next manager signed and sealed in the way that we have done so in the past when we've shafted previous managers? Uh, or did we do the right thing? We did the right thing to get rid of him when we when we did. I, I think the reasons that Milo mentioned earlier, yeah. it, it, it had gone rotten very, very quickly there. Yeah, yeah t- absolutely. Totally agree with that. I, I think okay. I think the problem has been that by by getting rid of him, we thought it would give us a nice little period into the end of the season just to try and reset. But we've really not capitalised on that at all, and we're, we're no further forward to resetting than we were on the nineteenth of April. Mm. Uh, with Mourinho, this is the receipt that we're getting from the from the Jose era. Is that you know, and people had mentioned it on you know on forums, and I've, I've noticed you guys mentioned it in the chat. You know, you said once Mourinho goes, he leaves just something rotting at the at, at the club that he leaves. Um, and I, and I, I to be honest, I refuse to believe it. I thought, well, we're we're bigger than one one manager, we're bigger than one person. But I do feel like you know, so much of what's going on now is as a result of the last sort of eighteen months to two years. Yeah, I would say. To- doesn't help with the kind of deal he's, he did with the sun where he was trashing us every other day towards you yeah. know, the, the, between the end of the season and the yeah. start of the Euros. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, Mourinho, I, th- I think it was definitely the right. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think holding on to, on, on to the end of the season would have done us any good. I think it could have got a lot messier, a lot nastier. What I don't really understand is it doesn't appear that we'd been preparing for this scenario. I mean, you know, Mourinho of all managers, you know that it's going to end messily and it's, you know, and, and before his contract's due to finish. I mean, that's that's obvious. That's what happens at every club. And it, it doesn't appear that we've been, or, you know, if we did have a list of potential successors, it went further than Nagelsmann and possibly Ten Hag. It, it seems odd to me that we hadn't, uh, yeah, we hadn't done that work. We hadn't prepped for this situation because it was obvious it was going to happen. And I think then that goes back to Gareth's point as well about where we're trying to dine, you know, where the, where the junior, juniors in that time top six in that in previous clubs that Mourinho has been fired from they've just been able to throw a ton of money at the problem whereas we don't have that luxury Mm. so we are then yeah It, it comes down to confidence to me though so if we were a confident club we were confident about how we played you know all this stuff we were talking about earlier on then we wouldn't have an issue with appointing Potter or uh, mm. or um, you know Ten Hag. Again, if you look at uh, Bundesliga, if you look at the German clubs, 
you quite often see you know good managers play you know go from quite small clubs there to big clubs and and there's you know that's that's expected and that's because you know maybe they don't have quite so much of a goldfish bowl as we do but also they're confident in 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 the way they're run and their playing style and how they approach things and we just don't have that you're right and i think you know when nagelsman went to bayern i actually bayern i actually thought what a mistake he should have come to us first and then gone on to Bayern. But they've got the confidence to go, we've seen enough of him, as, as young mm. as he is, to, to just take that to take that mm. into account and to hire yeah. him straight away. And I think that, you know, I'm going to be proved wrong. I know it. But they've also got the infrastructure at the yeah. club, haven't they, there? That they can, yes. they can cope with that. But, you know, that's the beauty of a director of football infrastructure. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's not just that, you know, if you look at Marcus Rose going from uh, Gladbach to mm-hmm. Dortmund, you know, that's a you know, similar kind of appointment. You know, mm. really good manager. There, you know, there's been a lot of movement there at you know, the end of the season in Germany. I think, sadly, the, you know, the truth lies somewhere around the area that we all expect the football side of our club to be uh, being run as efficiently and as confidently as as the business side and look there's no argument the business side is brilliant i don't think anyone could have done what this board have done mm-hmm. business wise they have built yep. a, a set of facilities and and stadium which by the way are the only positive press that we're getting right now i mean they managed to squeeze a good story out of tyro mings on the training ground on the training ground which is well, i think look good for them i've no complaint about that that you know it, it can only serve mm-hmm. us well if, they, if we manage to get a story out there about other players loving our training facilities you know those are the yep. things which can tip a player into coming our way versus someone else but i do think that maybe you know it's it's hard for us all to accept I don't think that we're nearly as together with the football side. And, and that's, I guess, where we're ending up with hoping uh, and hanging our hat on Paratici. And as you said, Milo, I suppose, it, you know, we, we and, and as you said too, Gareth, you know, uh, we, you know, we, we somewhat have to give give him a chance. I mean, I suppose we do. You know, I, I, I will always wonder if it's the right decision. I don't, you know, I, I wonder if he can work outside Italy. I, I hope he can for our sakes. You know, we will see. We will see. I think it's... Quite clear. I, I'm a tad sceptical about Paratici, but that's probably as much down to my ignorance as anything, uh, uh, in all honesty. And, and Milo, I know, as we've discussed already, you like to do your homework. And <laughs> I know that you've... No, I mean, I know that you dove right in when Paratici's name uh, was associated with us and when he was hired. So, I mean, you know, offer, offer some uh, positive words about him because I believe in our off-mic conversations that, that, you know, there's a lot that we could actually... Sh- say it quietly, be excited about. <laughs> yeah, so I watched an interview with him, uh, uh, Chesney, um, doing it, which on, on Polish TV. Um, I'll put a link to the YouTube video in the show notes for this, because it's, it's worth watching. It's about half an hour long, um, and it's an interview in English, um, so you know, easy for us to follow. And um, he comes across really well. He, you know, he's a smart guy. He talks about kind of the end of his playing career, and you know, he was what he was, um, you know, scouting youth tournaments and keeping notes on players uh, for a number of years before he actually stopped playing. Um, and you know, he says in the conversation with um, with Chesney, where he's saying that he'd scouted him as a as a youth player, as a you know teenager, and you know talks you know talks through about. Um, you know, what he saw then and, you know, his character and all the rest of it. And he talks again a lot about, 
uh, Eastern European players or you know, Central European players. So, you know, Poland and um, in the Czech Republic, Slovakia and, you know, elsewhere and saying that, you know, that's where he thinks the value is. He's talk- he talks a lot about, you know, international youth tournaments and scouting players there and keeps extensive notes and following these players all the way through. So from that point of view, I thought he came across really well. You know, the problem with directors of football, and this is always the case, is quite often you can't see the benefit, <laughs> at least at Spurs, because they don't last very long, you know, until two or three years after they've left. Because quite often they're taking that longer view and those players don't really come through, uh, you know, for a few years. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I quite liked what I saw. And I'll, and I'll put a link in the show notes. I'd recommend people watch it. I guess that the last question now, um, you know, is who would you like to see appointed versus who do you think is realistic at this moment? I mean, you know, who wants to take that on? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll start and I'll say exactly as I said probably four weeks ago is that I think Graham Potter is an excellent fit mm. for us. Um, I think he mm. hits that criteria that Daniel Levy wrote about in his programme notes back in May. I think that for whatever reason, we seem to be reluctant to pay anyone out of a contract at the moment. So all the names that we're people we're talking to seriously are people who are free agents, and we are and we're scraping the barrel at the moment. If Catuto's the latest one we've spoken yeah. to, but yeah, Graham Potter for me is the one who is perhaps the least offensive of all the of all the candidates that are out there. He's not an ideal one, but then neither was Poch. Yeah, I'm the same. He he would he was my choice you know, yeah two months ago thereabouts so yeah Potter or Ten Hag would be would be my preference they've been my preference right the way through and I'd quite happily take one less signing this summer in order to pay you know pay one of them out of their contract because I think ultimately it's probably more important than than one extra player I'd, I'd rather use an academy player and, and save the money and um, yeah use it to get a decent manager in. I agree with both, you know, both of you. And I think that with Potter, it's uh, it's like that analogy of, you know, a player sometimes becomes more valuable when they're injured and more important to the team mm. than the player in their position that's playing because they're not playing well. Yeah. And I feel like Potter almost, um, not through no fault of his own, has kind of, we've gone through that as we've gone through the weeks, Potter's become more valuable because it's like, well, he actually fits in with the ethos of what yeah. we want. I, yeah, I think the problem with both of them now is that, you know, our pre-season training for the players who aren't at the Euro starts in three weeks' time now. And, it's, you know, it's going to be the same for Brighton. And, you know, so I'm not sure about when the Dutch league starts, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be too dissimilar to Ajax. So it's going to be a lot harder to get those players out of those contracts, sorry, those managers out of those contracts now because, you know, it's going to really disrupt those uh, those clubs. So what was difficult already, if we do go back in for those, it's probably going to cost us more yeah. um, than it would have done if we'd done this deal back in May. Do you think Potter will come to us now? Uh, I mean, ultimately, yeah, ultimately, I think he probably would do. I think he, if we had a proper conversation with him, a serious conversation with him, I, I think he'd be interested. I mean, I think my concern now is that um, Paratici seems to be talking about a lot of managers in, in Italy. Um, Italy is a football country, I always think is quite insular, that very few of their players mm-hmm. travel outside yeah. of the borders to go and play abroad. And it concerns me, whereas Frank Arneson seemed to have a, a little black book and seemed to know a lot of things that were going on. If you looked at the players we signed, we bought what, Sean Davis, Pedro Mendes, Eric Edmund, No Pamaro, Nouradine Nabet. We then brought in um, Andy Reid, Michael Dawson, Tom Huddleston under him. That's a really eclectic mix of players from um, mm. you know, within our comfort zones and within our budgets, but across a range of different um, areas. It, it worries me that yeah, in, in Italy that they tend to buy within within Italy as well and it would concern me both looking at a manager and players with him sorry I, I know I'm answering another question here um, 
and and therefore I suspect that we're going to hear more Italian names seriously linked with us as a manager before Potter is is linked to us again. I think you've addressed a concern that's that's very very real. I mean, I think I was saying roughly the same thing. It does concern me uh, with regards to the director of football. Uh, I do wonder if we've got that decision right. By the same token, if we've hired the guy, you know, we need to give him the backing. Mm. My personal feeling is that it could all fall apart. I think it could fall apart. I think that very appointment could be the one that needs to be undone before we could move forward with a Potter or a Ten Hag. If I'm Potter and, and, and you know, Spurs come, you know, juggernauting to me or... Uh, fuck apocalypse juggernauting or whatever it was to be uh you know right now and say hey we want you to take us on um you know you'll be working with this director of football so on and so forth i'm going to look and say i'm not sure this is the right career move for me right now i've seen how you treat managers i've seen what happens i've seen even if i turn you into a champions league final uh achieving side who's you know in the champions league time and time again that you might bid me i'm not sure it would be the right move for him uh i, I would like but, him but, but i would that, love him but but that but that's the case for most managers. You know, most managers lose their job after you know two well, or three seasons. Whatever you, you know, and and, 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 and but but it'd be it'd be it'd be comfortably paid off. To, to continue that the point, you know, we're also saying, and I think that Gareth made the point that you know suddenly you know we're sort of possibly trying to dine at the very very highest tables, and we're not quite there. And so, a sponsor's going to mm-hmm. allow us. You know, is there this is is this a factor? Are we now allowed? to go with the potters of this world or do we have to pick a name so again i think this is where about it's about confidence isn't it yeah, so if we've I got if that. we had a clear identity if we had a clear brand if we had a clear idea about how we played there and you know the, the coach was a jigsaw piece that fe- fitted into that then i think that's a lot harder to sell i agree with that the problem is is that we don't have any of that and we we you know we swing wildly between different um types of uh coach and different types of profile you know really realistically if uh, sponsors were prepared to swallow Fonseca they'll follow they'll swallow um, uh, Potter you know there's not really a huge amount of difference in profile there is there no, it is a fair point except Fonseca did win has won three titles as Shakhtar and he does have an international presence but I I, I agree it's a of, fair of course point. but in terms of to to um, to an international audience people aren't looking at the Ukrainian league and you know they're not looking at Shakhtar's results in the in the Champions by and large so uh, you know I, I think of course he's achieved more he's won more you know he's, he's done more than Poch had when he came here but in terms of actually kind of uh, for our audience he's not a big name I would like Potter I don't think we're going to go for Potter I wouldn't mind Ten Hag I don't think we're going to go for Ten Hag I will tell you flat out I think we're going to end up with Roberto Martinez I think that he's the manager who could work mm-hmm. in the shortest term with the shortest pre-season and probably come in and work with a Paratici for a year or two and bridge a gap to something else I, I, I you know of course it depends what Belgium do uh, you could argue that if Belgium were to go on and win this whole thing he might turn around and say sod off I'm sticking around for the World Cup having said that I think that he's a manager who always looks to manage in the Premier League he's got a great hunger for the Premier League and as f- uh, as much as I was not into the idea of him uh, at all at this point if he was unveiled I would probably not be as unhappy as I once was uh, given the yeah. parameters but that's a default yeah I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where my main criteria is not a wanker <laughs> so yeah. no Rafa <laughs> <laughs> oh right? god oh i agree yeah i mean and that's it that's uh that's daniel you know i know you like to listen to us from time to time just don't hire a wanker 
That's that's what we've come up with after an hour of a great discussion, lads. Thanks very much. Therapy is always a great thing, and in our Spurs supporting cases, it's as a, it's as important as ever these days. Um, but Daniel, that's that's what you need to get the message. Don't don't hire a wanker. Don't let Paratici hire a wanker. No wankers at Tottenham, please. It's elementary, Daniel. Yes, elementary, <laughs> dear Daniel. Excellent. Well done, Ram. By Jove. And Ram <laughs> tied it all off with a wonderful closing sentence. <laughs> very good. All right. Well, thanks very much, guys. I mean, we, we, you know, let's see. It's all going to change by Wednesday and this part will be out of date. So I hope everyone, I hope you can get the edit done in time, Milo. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Dad. Cheers. Okay, I uh, hope that you all enjoyed uh, that little bit of counselling and comfort from this week's pod. My word, uh, whew, I got a little bit off my chest there for the two minutes. I wonder if it'll make the edit because it was a little little knee-jerky, I have to say, but it's been sitting in there. But anyway, we'll be back throughout the summer with a series of specials. Uh, we're going to try and put out an episode a week, but as you've just seen, there's two in a week. They're going to come in clusters sometimes. Sometimes there might be a little longer between them. But regardless, you're going to hear Oral Treasures regularly and if you like what you're hearing dig through the archives and listen to a whole bunch more and make your summer lives even better than they hopefully already are you can find us on twitter and instagram give us a follow and say hello and if you like it like us and if you like us please subscribe and leave a review it really helps us continue growing as we have been throughout the season and the close season thanks for joining us we'll see you soon bye